Hello everybody, I am Lucia Matuonto and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Today, we are heading to California to chat with Cam Magic. Cam is an Edgar Award-nominated author of suspense novels and a seasoned commercial pilot with 44 years of experience. His latest book, High Wild, is making waves. So, Ken, welcome to The Relatable Voice. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Lucia. This is my pleasure to have you here, Captain. You know, we often hear stories about passengers' behaviors leading to their removal from flights. But as a seasoned pilot who worked for American Airlines for 35 years, could you tell us a fun or memorable story from one of your flights? Oh, gosh. <laughs> there, is, there are a lot. Um, a memorable, there, there are many memorable stories. There were, you know, emergencies and mechanical failures, of course. That was always, you know, fun to be around. Um, we used to fly a lot of uh, uh, celebrities. That was, you know, always good for, you know, a laugh or two. I guess one of the, the, the main ones that I can think of right now is I was doing a flight uh, from L.A. to Honolulu. And about uh, halfway into the flight, we get a radio call. And the radio call, uh, you know, says, uh, you have such and such passenger sitting in seat number such and such. And uh, we looked up at our ledgers and said, yeah, that's that's correct. Said, well, we need you to give a message to her, you know. And the message is that they found her son. And uh, the story goes briefly, and then they, they went on to explain to us what was happening. Four days before the, this event, uh, her son uh, was visiting Honolulu, and uh, uh, he was going to seminary school. And he was visiting, uh, you know, uh, uh, Honolulu for a while, and he got on a, uh, you know, a little, I think it's a little kayak, actually. And, and started to drift away. And he started to get further and further away. You know, and he got into the currents and he could not control it. He had enough cell phone service to be able to make one phone call. And the phone call was, I'm drifting away. I'm getting away from land. And I have no control over this. I cannot get back. And so that launched a whole series of emergencies to try and find him, Coast Guard, you know, um, you know et cetera. And uh, they looked for him for one day, two days, three days, four days. And by the fourth day, I think they were turning it from, uh, you know, a, a rescue mission into a recovery mission. And you know, in other words, they assumed that he's, he's passed. And uh, they couldn't find him still. And in fact, we were taking the mother and the children uh, to Honolulu, you know, for services related to the, you know, assuming that their son was lost. And lo and behold, on the fourth day, you know, somebody somewhere spotted him, picked him up, brought him in. And so we called the flight attendants in. Two of them came into the cockpit and we said, this is what's happened. I want you to go back there and tell this woman that uh, her son is safe and they have found him. And and the two of them were like 
stepping on top of each other, putting it back. No, I want to tell her. No, I want to tell her. So we sat back and, um, you know, we closed the cockpit door. And I don't know what happened. About 30 seconds later, the, the ruckus, the, the sound, the screaming was loud enough that we could hear it from halfway through the cockpit, you know, halfway in the, in the airplane, all the way in the forward. And so that's what we told air traffic control. We said, I don't know what, what just happened out there, but you got a whole lot of people celebrating. And so, of course, cocktails was in the house on that night, you know, free drinks for everybody going out. To and the, um, the folks were on the, um, uh, on the news that night. We got into the hotel and we spent the night there. And sure as heck, you know, they showed the mother and, you know, uh, reunited with the son and all of the stuff that was going on. So that was that was one of the more memorable ones, I think. Wow, I was here like cheering for these kids to <laughs> to yes, show. Up. We we all were. It was it was amazing to to be able to recover, and it may have even been more than four days. But whatever it was, they they had decided that they they could no longer. You know, there was no way it would be arrived. You know, under the conditions. Yeah, but this there, is like a miracle. Is. Almost like a miracle to be in this situation, and they all they, they said the same thing. Everybody was talking about a miracle, and especially given the fact that he was a seminary student, he was studying to be a, a priest. Um, you know, so God had a hand in there somewhere. Yeah, I believe so. <laughs> and Ken, it's fascinating to learn about your shared connection with American Airlines because I worked there for six years at the ticket counter and during my time I had the opportunity to witness different situations on flights and drawing from your experience extensive experience as a pilot we'd love to hear your insights on important things that passengers should avoid doing while on board a plane? Uh, you know, some of it is is just basic common sense. You know, uh, don't walk around an airplane barefoot. And you'd be surprised by the number of people that walk around an airplane barefoot. Uh, you know, or if, you know, before you lean your seat back, make sure the guy behind you is not holding a hot cup of coffee. You know, uh, and, and or don't put your hands and feet in the aisles because... You know, the aisles are tight and they're going to bring in carts up and down. So, you know, somebody's going to get hurt. Some of this is just common sense thing, but some of it is it's a little bit more in depth. You got to think about it. You know, for example, try not to sit more than two hours at a time. Um, you know, especially if you're older, uh, you know, walk around, at least even in your own seat, you know, stretch, stretch your hands, stretch your necks. There's all kinds of stretches you can see. Um, especially again in, in older people, you know, the blood clots are an issue. It's all mm -hmm. kinds of things that you have to think about. Um, or, uh, you know, don't don't drink too much. Don't drink excessively. So okay mm -hmm. to have lots of something, maybe even two, but you know, you're in a very dry atmosphere, in a very dry environment, and on further dehydration is going to cause you know problems. You know, uh, and. But I mean, there's, there's a, there are a million things to do, obviously, you know, courtesy and, and, and courteous. And there is a problem with someone, you know, next to you or nearby. Don't try to take that on yourself. You know, don't end up on YouTube somewhere for all the wrong reasons. You know, there are uh, flight attendants out there and there is, you know, procedures that they'll follow and, and, and take care of things. There is a, a lot of it is like I said, some of it is just, just basic common sense and some of it is 
just a little bit more. Thank you. And yes, when you said don't drink too much, I agree completely because drinking can also lead to do other things like fighting with someone that's close to you just because you feel that somehow you are being disturbed. Because I've been seeing so many things in the news about fights in the airplane. And I said, people should just sit and relax or at least try to relax. You know, listen, as, as a country, we're so divided, you know, and so polarized that, uh, you know, uh, in, in my, you know, all the years that I know, I've never seen it, anything like this. So, you know, as you pointed out, a little bit of uh, liquid courage can always do do the wrong things. Uh, you know, and then cause someone that was normally would be, you know, holding their tongue now not to. And then from there you get committed to it and then it gets worse. So that would fall into the category of more common sense stuff for me, you know. But, um, you know, some people, I mean, you have a bad day and you just make it a worse day and then all kinds of things happen after that, you know. Yeah, unfortunately. And I'm curious to know, how did you transition from being a pilot to becoming an author? Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of the things I'm not particularly proud of is that I don't read much, you know, but I love, watch a lot of movies, a lot of, you know, I love movies. Mm -hmm. uh, but I did read a book a long time ago, The Firm by John Grisham. And uh, it was such a wonderful book. And then, and, and, you know, and he got into it, so involved in it and the characters and the plot. And, uh, you know, I really enjoyed the experience. And I, you know, I read it, came to the last page and I said, you know, I think I can do this. And uh, I went and picked up a couple of novels, little novelettes, you know, how to write books and just basic, you know, guidelines and came in and just put down chapter one. Um, you know, it's as simple as that. Microsoft Word, you know, and then just started writing. Um, and, you know, as far as, you know, why this book and why at this time, you know, uh, uh, aircraft technology is, is uh, you know, it's moving forward leaps and bounds. Uh, you know, you have two pilots now doing the work of three, you know, we only have two pilots in the cockpit. Um, so computers have taken on so much of the workload. And in my world, uh, you know, I started to think about these computers. Now, these computers are generally bulletproof, okay? They, they watch each other's work and they make sure the information they're getting and using, you know, is, is accurate and up to date, you know, et cetera. But, and they're all designed to not fail. Uh, and if there is a failure, it would be a mechanical failure. Uh, in other words, you know, they have systems to back each other up. Then I start to think, you know, now that things are disautomated, and there are so many computers that we're relying on to take our workload away. But what if one of these computers starts to get the wrong information? And it doesn't know that it's getting the wrong information. You know, in other words, a computer virus. You know, it's still gonna do what it thinks it should do, what it's programmed to do. They don't know the difference between right and wrong. They don't know danger versus not danger, as evident by the unfortunate accidents on the 737 MAX airplanes. You know, the two crashes that occurred. Um, computers were telling them, you know, they're telling the airplane that you're, you're about to stall and thus pushing the nose down. While that was not happening, the pilots were struggling to pull the nose back up. But the pilots, with what they were doing, they could not offset what the computers were telling. And then, you know, the airplane drove right into the ground. 
But you know that's a similar that in, in that kind of circumstance again you know what if a computer is getting information that is programmed to think that it's correct but it's not correct. So I just got fascinated by that and I use the flight control system of an aircraft. You know nowadays in the most recent uh, you know all all the new uh, airliners Boeing uh, Airbus they use fly by wire system. You know, you still have a yoke like you do in any traditional airplane. You still pull and push and turn just like you would. But all you're really doing is, is typing on a, on a keyboard. You know, even the feel that the pilot feels is artificially generated. So I picked that system and I said, well, what if there was a computer virus in here? And what if somebody, you know, is telling the computers that you are turning to the left where you're turning to the right or vice versa? And then the story was born. So at that point, it was just a question of, okay, who's going to tell the story? You know, and, and I chose a female captain uh, because it made things you know, more and more difficult. You know, uh, it, today, you know, 2023, uh, we still have only 6% of the pilots in the cockpit are female. 94% are men. Wow. Uh, so, you know, 20 years ago, it was even significantly lower than that. So it's not, you know, to say it's a, it's dominated, you know, field that's dominated by men is, is an understatement. Um, it's almost purely men. Uh, and so what would happen, you know, if, if a woman is not, not only she has to deal with the circumstances she's dealing with, you know, uh, being, you know, a minority, having to, you know, deal with, you know, the truly a man's world, but then now she's going to, you know, she's going to run into this, this situation. So the book starts in the last three or four minutes of a flight, of flight 394 going into Kennedy Airport in a blizzard. And when the aircraft stops responding to the pilot's command, uh, she ends up crashing it on purpose, on purpose. And uh, as a result, six people die. And so they're now, you know, uh, in, in, in the work that's, that's followed in the book, you know, and we, we find out that, um, uh, you know, that, that it was not her fault and it was a computer virus. And had she continued the flight, that everyone would have died and the airplane would have crashed. So she pulled the impossible. But in trying to prove herself, she has to be humiliated and blamed, you know, and questioned about her ability as a pilot, her ability as a woman, and all of those things until she finds herself face to face with the person who created the virus. And there she learns that there is another aircraft that's contaminated halfway over the Atlantic and with no chance of survival unless she does the unthinkable and to try and save them. And in that process, most likely she has to die. Oh, I won't wow. spoil the rest of how we get there. <laughs> I'll let you figure well, that out. I have to read it. Actually, I find it truly inspiring that the captain in your book is a woman. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I believe... And an immigrant woman, first-generation American, yeah. you know. And also, I think she is dealing with a confrontational co-pilot. Is this co-pilot a man? 
uh, the co-pilot is a man, is older than her, uh, you know, so she was hired at a very young age. So there was resentment and there was questions and a lot of just stuff that, you know, human nature follows. Well, I don't want to be the, the junior guy taking orders from someone who's younger than me and who's a woman and all of that. So that plays into it. Just just creating, you know, friction. Obviously, it's a, you know, it's, it's a work of friction. But, you know, some of this, you know, does, does occur, obviously. Yeah, and I believe that choosing a woman as a main character amplifies fresh perspectives and breaks gender stereotypes. Because, as you said, we have only 6% women who are pilots. Six percent of the of the uh, pilots in the cockpit of commercial airlines right now. Uh, that's the latest figure I heard was, uh, you know, are, are women. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, how often do you see a woman in a cockpit? You I know? just saw once in my life. That's exactly right. It's very rare. Uh, hopefully now it won't be and there will be more and more. Uh, but, you know, currently that's kind of what we're what we're dealing with. And in today's aviation industry, do you believe there is a positive trend toward more women pursuing careers as pilots? Yeah, what do you think? Uh, I think so. Uh, the fact that it is 6% when, you know, just 10 years ago, it was quite a bit lower, maybe half. Uh, so there, there is, there's absolutely a new, uh, you know, a new push in there. Um, uh, but Again, it's also a very unique time in in, in aviation across the world, not just in the United States. Uh, there is so such a massive number of retirements right now that you're seeing that again throughout the world. Uh, so opportunities are coming up. Uh, the pay is significantly better than it was before. Uh, you know the uh, schedules that you have, time off, flexibility. Uh, it, it, it's, I think it's going to become a lot better, a lot easier uh, profession than it was some time ago. And um, and then I do see that the, you know, the progression that they have. I think right now they're advertising at American Airlines. If you hire today, you can upgrade within three years to captain. I mean, that was not the case. You know, it was 10 years, 15 years, sometimes 25 years, depending on what the circumstances were. Uh, you know, so it's 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 a desirable profession. It's it's a little bit of a it's difficult uh, type of a life. It's not aviation. It's not for everybody. You're not going to be you know home for dinner every night. Uh, you are going to be going through time zones, and and if jet lag is an issue, or you know not being able to sleep, etc. It's it's a hard life. Uh, you know, but if if it's in your blood, that's what you want to do. Uh, then it's very well worth it. And I think women are going to be, you know, you're seeing more and more of it. Hopefully 6% will turn into 16 and beyond because uh, they're, they're, they're great. I mean, I have flown with both, you know, men and women, you know, as captain, as first officer. And, uh, you know, I, I see no difference. It's just individual. So another question about writing. How did your background in aviation influence the plot and characters in your novel? Um, well, it, it affected everything. I mean, that's where I got the idea. Um, you know, uh, sitting on airplanes, you know, uh, going across the world, going through 10, 15, 12, you know, time zones gives you a lot of time to think. And um, and so that was where, you know, the, the, the plots were formed. Uh, like I was saying, my uh, the, the heavy dependency on, on the computer system 
is what uh, you know created the the, the thought about you know this book. And what happens if the computers fail and they have no idea that they have failed? And so the story was formed that way. And uh, and again, you know, I asked a lot of questions. I did a lot of research uh, in the cockpit. I would do research with other people that are out there asking questions, looking up systems. But I also brought in uh, engineers from both Boeing and Airbus because I wanted to get their take on it. And even though I was told, you know, this is, it's a far-fetched scenario. I mean, putting a computer virus inside, you know, airplanes. Uh, but they both said that you need to send copies of this, uh, the book, to the security departments at Boeing and Airbus, which I did. What if the FedEx package sent them out there? You know, just say no. Uh, what what's going on? Uh, so once the story was formed, there was really a question of who's going to tell it, you know, uh, and and who's the character that's going to be, you know, that's going to be driving this. And and there's a story there too, you know. We. Um, uh, there was a little-known tradition in the cockpit. Actually, there was, you know, many, many years ago, decades ago. It was a, you know, such a male-driven uh, environment, you know. But there was pictures of of centerfolds all over the cockpit, you know, in little hidden places, you know, Playboy centerfolds and that kind of stuff. And pilots would sit down and they would look at it and they would fold it back and put it where it was. So. We show up on a flight one time on a DC-10 doing the all-nighter, red-eye from LA to New York. And uh, there's the two of us are in the front and the, the flight engineer is a brand new female. And then we introduce ourselves and the other pilot gets in and just pulls out the picture without really even thinking about it, just out of habit. And immediately we both realize, oh shoot, we can't do this. <laughs> we have a woman here in the cockpit. And, and she was very cool. She saw it, but she knew she was used to that kind of an environment. She was very cordial. Um, we quickly put it back and realized, but then all night long, doing the whole all nighter all the way to New York, I started thinking to myself, how odd it must have been for her. to have to go through that that night and then all the other times that, that, that she has seen this. All the other times that, that you know, she, she's got to get in there and she's, she, you know, because... You know, nobody wants to be a, you know, she doesn't want to be singled out. She wants to be like everybody else. I would, if I wasn't, you know, her. And then when that happened, uh, you know, by the time I landed in New York, I said that the, the story has got to be told by a female because of all the additional weight that is placed on her, in addition to being an airline captain and responsible for everything you're responsible for, now having to prove that she's a woman. So, the story was there, and now I knew who was going to tell it, so I just put them together. That's wonderful. I I think your book, High Wire, has such a thrilling plot that it could easily be adapted into a captivating movie. Has the idea already, like, of turning it's, your... Yeah, tell me. It's being shopped around Hollywood right now. Uh, so... You know, one of these days we'll hear what happens. Uh, when it first came out, there was a lot of interest. Studios, individual, uh, you know, directors, actors, etc. Uh, we didn't really follow up that well with it, but this time it's in it's in good hands. We'll see what happens. What do you enjoy most about writing character-driven suspense novels? Uh, it is. Uh, so much of it. I mean, creating something on, on paper that didn't exist five minutes ago is, is very cool. Uh, but if I had to pick any one thing, it's going to be, uh, you know, when you the letters that you get 
and them from readers. I, you know, and, and they're so cool. Uh, I got one at um, uh, from a service, a, a woman that had just been stationed in Korea and was having a difficult time. And she wrote me a note that said, um, you know, you, you, your book helped get me through this. First week, I guess, was very difficult, you know, and then how she appreciated it. And it just stays with you. I got another letter from somebody in Sweden or some uh, somewhere out there. And then it was from a mother that said, you know, I want to let you know I hate you uh, because you kept my son up all night. Uh, I came in and he's now he's too tired. He can't go to school. And it's because of you and because of your book. And I'm going to tell you, you know, another thing. I hate you again because I am going to read this book and I will be up all night tonight. So I just want to let you know in advance, you know, that I hate you. It's just stuff like that. That's, you know, and I think that's, that, that's the best part of it. But uh, there are so many enjoyable things, you know, taking a paper and, and creating something that, that you can laugh with and cry with and, you know, all the other things. And Ken, I would hate you if you kill Captain Kate Gallagher. <laughs> He's just going to have to read it to find out. Okay, yeah. but I'm already letting you know. Yeah, there will be surprises, I'll tell you that much. Okay, before we finish our interview, would you like to leave a message to our listeners today? Oh, gosh. Um you know, I'll, 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 I'll steal a piece from um, Warren Buffett. And the only reason I'll do that is because I just uh, happened to listen to the highlights of Berkshire Hathaway's, uh, you know, annual meeting that they had a week or two ago. And uh, something stood out in, in what he said, and I thought it was more profound than anything that I can come up with. And he said, uh, write your obituary and spend the rest of your life trying to live up to it. And, um, you know, it, it left me with, uh, it left me thinking, you know, and, uh, you know, I wish there were so many, you know, there are people far wiser than I am and, and, you know, information they have is so much better than, than, than I can ever come up with. So I'm happy to steal that one from him. Mm, it's beautiful. Thank you. Ken, could you please share your contacts and if you have socials where we can find your books? Uh, the books are available everywhere in all versions, soft, uh, paperback, hardback, uh, audio books, um, uh, you know, e-books, e etc. Barnes & Noble, Amazon, uh, all of the portals have them. Uh, in addition, uh, um, yes, I'm, there, there are some kind people running my socials because they're far more educated in that field than I am. Uh, so uh, Instagram, et cetera, uh, Facebook, et cetera, it's uh, Cam Maj Books. It's K-A-M-M-A-J-D Books. The next book is coming out in a couple of months, Silent Voices. That will be all updated, and that's just cammaj.com, K-A-M-M-A-J-D.com. And that will have all the updates on what's going on and what the next ones will be in. You'll enjoy that. You'll enjoy that one too, because uh, the, the little teaser on that is in the last page of Highwire. And you can see that it's about two sisters, one uh, both American, one born and raised on the East Coast, and one that's lost at birth. And she thinks she's an Afghan village girl, born and you know, raised in, in Afghanistan in a village. 
has no idea why she has the fair skin and blue eyes and blonde hair and then you know the stuff that that is cursed her because she gets all this unwanted attention the story takes place 30 days before the american pullout and these two girls find out about each other and um and and now they have to go to hell and back um to try and not die and not be killed while they get to safety okay it's about the children of afghanistan and not having the voice mm -hmm. to be able to uh, share their plight um thank you for your participation and i believe that giving your years of experience as a pilot you have so many stories to tell so i'm sure you'll come back very soon and i'll be happy to it's been fun see you soon if you enjoyed this episode be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening, and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time. <laughs>